Hello, City Hope. Everybody doing good? It's good to see you this weekend. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus, Foley, and Baymanette. Thank you for being part of our weekend experience. And also, I want to encourage you to be part of Race for Hope. Um, I understand that there are faster people at the Foley Campus than the Mobile, so I'm just kind of calling you out. I also heard there's some lazy people at Malvis, so I'm calling you out. Uh, it's just a great family day, and if you can't run 3.2 miles, 3.1 miles, whatever it is, uh, you can walk and talk. And I went back and forth. I don't know, I probably ran a 10K because I went back and forth just talking to people last year. It was a great time. And what we're doing with this is just phenomenal because we were able to see $2,500 bills a concrete house for a, one, a widow and her children. Oh, wow, I want to do that. I want to build some homes for a lady. So that's what we're doing it for. All the proceeds are going toward that. So hope you'll sign up and see you there. And uh, if not, we'll just call you fat and lazy or something. I don't know. Just kidding. This is the third part of the series, This Is Us. We, we started out looking at the realities of marriage. We talked about the blessing of marriage. And today I want to continue with happy marriage. Secular studies ask how important is a stable marriage and 93% of the people in the survey said it's extremely important to have a marriage stable for a lifetime. Of that same group, uh, less than half believe that it's possible. People haven't lost the dream of a happy marriage, they've lost the hope. Anytime you discuss and talk and teach on marriage, you have to remember that at least half have been there and maybe they're not there. Maybe you're single and maybe you desire to be married first or the second time, but you're afraid. And, and I understand that. And you don't need to be afraid because God has a perfect plan. You can succeed in marriage. There's also a group that are divorced. You had problems in marriage and you probably have some pain in your heart still, a residue of pain from that divorce. I want you to know that God can heal your heart of pain and you can succeed in marriage. And I encourage you to take this series, even when it's finished, and go back and re-listen and pray and ask God to help you start preparing yourself for marriage again. Honestly, it is amazing that anyone succeeds in marriage today because we're not taught marriage in our culture but we can succeed because God has a plan and maybe you're married and you know you you want to make it a happy marriage well I'm going to help you with that today that's God's plan his plan is perfect his plan for marriage is given to us by the apostle Paul this is the most controversial scripture in the New Testament it is the most substantial theological scripture about marriage there's not much in the Old Testament other than in Genesis where God creates marriage. But in the New Testament, Paul gives us this. And, you know, this one is the one, of, if men can quote anything, there's a couple lines in here they can quote. Most of the time they misquote it, but they, they try. So I want you to listen to this. So when I start it, don't, don't just turn me off. Listen to it because I want to point out a couple things. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Now, guys, I don't know if you noticed this, but about three times it says the way you love your wife is the way I love the church. The pattern that we have for loving our wives is the way Christ loved the church. So we have to understand that you have to lay down your life for your wife. And guys, hear me on this. This is true. If, if, you, if you have a happy wife, you will have a happy life. Can I get an amen? I'm telling them I have to buy them today. If you want joy and happiness in this world, then you have to lay down your life for Jesus. And if you're married, you lay down your life for your wife. And I promise you, if you live a selfish life, you will not be happy, you, you know, because you didn't lay down your life for the Lord. You didn't lay down your life for your spouse. Most people today, when they hear what God says about marriage, they think this is old school. This is not for the 21st century. Me submit or me lay down my life for him or for her? Are you kidding me? So when a person says they have a happy marriage, what does that mean? Here's what it means. When you have a happy marriage, you're really saying my needs are being met. God designed men and women with certain needs that only spouses can meet. There are needs that only God can meet. But there are certain needs God designed in each spouse that the other can meet. So when a person says, I don't have a happy marriage, they're saying their needs are not being met. So guys, to keep your wife happy, I'm going to give you the top three needs that a woman has in marriage. But God designed you to meet these needs. And the only way you're going to do it is you have to start by laying down your life. So are you ready? Here's the first one. Communication. Guys, you've got to lay down your life for this area. You've got to decide to communicate. Half the men in the room are just like, yeah, right. You, listen, when you got married, there's a word that you, you just need to lose. Some of you may not have lost it yet. It's the word fine. <laughs> ladies, do, ladies do not want the headlines or the bottom line. Ladies want the whole story. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Guys, you're going to have to help me with this one. Come on. You remember when you first got married and you came home from work and she starts in with the questions, you know, well, what'd you do? What'd you say? Where'd you go? Why'd it take so long? On and on and on. And you think, my God, this is the nosiest woman in the world. Is it going to be like this forever? Because if a guy asks another guy, hey, how's your day? You're going to say, fine. Men, you're going to have to work with me. I don't need women working with me today. I need men working with me. Come on, guys. How was your day? How was your day? Fine. Fine. I mean, that's not going to work. She she wants a word-for-word, play-by-play, and she wants to know, well, what were you thinking? (laughs) In this area, we have to lay down our lives because this is a real need for a woman. 
She needs to communicate. Here's the reason why. Listen, guys. She needs to communicate because that's how she connects to us. It isn't that they're nosy, but this is how they connect. So you have to have time to talk to your wives. So, guys, let me help you. When she says, how was your day? Have her sit down on the couch. Well, I opened my eyes about 6 a.m. I had just a little bit of a headache. I figure it's because there's pollen in the air. It hadn't rained very much lately, but after I got up and started moving around, that kind of went away. But then I began to have a little feeling about being stressed about what I had to do today. Now, you just got bonus points because you used the word feeling. (laughs) Women love that word. They fall in love with you when you tell them how you're feeling. They didn't fall in love with you because of your looks and all that stuff. It's because you finally told them. And listen, I promise you, in the beginning, guys, you may have to make up some things. (laughs) Because you don't know how you're feeling sometimes. Come on, guys. Come on, I need the men to amen me just a little bit in here. Don't leave me out here in front of all these women. Ladies, when a man says to you, when you say, how do you feel about that? And he says, I don't know. He's telling the truth. He doesn't know. So here's the reason why, ladies, that we don't know. We come from the factory emotionally unassembled. We have all of the wires. They're just not connected. Your job, ladies, according to God's plan, is to connect the wires. That's why he puts you on the earth, ladies. I mean, once you get into that relationship and now you're married and they start talking about all of the things of your past, you mean your dad didn't go to a ball game? No. No emotion. And all the other dads came? Yeah. Wow. Here's what she's doing. She's taking the wire of experience and she's trying to connect it. She's moving closer and closer to your feelings and you don't even know what she's doing. You mean to tell me you caught the winning touchdown in the state championship game and your dad wasn't even there? No. And all the other dads? No. And then all of a sudden it just hits you. And all of a sudden you're overwhelmed and she says, honey, that's a feeling. And guys, after a while, she'll even have you crying during movies. (laughs) Come on, guys, man up. It's dark in there, but you know you do it. You know you do it. Ladies, that's your job. Men, watch. If you start talking, you get wired up. And and this is why it's important. And, And the good thing is once you learn to connect to a woman... And that's why God put one in your life. You can then easily connect to God. Once you know how to connect to your wife, your relationship with God will go to another level. Now, if you're single, don't feel condemned about what I'm about to say. But when God decided to put a portrait or a picture of himself on the earth, it was marriage. He said, I want my image on the earth. His image is marriage. Husband and wife. Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Now, this is us. He said, let us, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make mankind, not male, mankind according to their image. What God created in his image was male and female, not male. Male is not the image of God. Female is not the image of God. God was saying, I want to put a picture of us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, on the earth, and that picture is a picture of marriage. Now, Adam and Eve, they were married. When they were created, they're married. They're not living in sin in the beginning, so they're a married couple on the earth that look like us. That was God's plan, the Trinity. Our culture doesn't understand the marriage concept. Here's the part that gives them trouble. They don't understand the marriage concept that you can be equal and one is a leader. In our culture, if you're the leader, then you're greater than the other. That's the mindset of our culture. But that's not in God's plan. God didn't make the male the head because he was mad at women. We just read it in Ephesians, what Paul said. No, he he did it because he put order in the home. He has order in everything he created. And listen, he didn't take equality out to put order in. Because with God, you can be equal and still have order. And the world has no idea of this concept. They have no idea of this concept that marriage has the ability to be equal, yet one is the leader. So how did the world get its concept? In Genesis 3, where God, the fall has taken place and God is going through the curses. And, you know, to each, to Adam and to Eve. And they, they brought them on themselves, okay? God didn't put it on them. They brought them on themselves. But notice what Adam does immediately after God explains the curses. Genesis 3.20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Well, that, that doesn't sound bad, does it? Here's what happened. After the fall, Adam immediately separates from Eve. They're hiding themselves. They cover themselves. Most people don't know this, but God did not name Eve. Her name was not Eve before the fall. Well, what was her name before the fall? Adam. In the New King James Version, it translates the word mankind. I'll read it. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. But the King James Version says it this way, same verse. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day they were created. Her name was Adam, female, woman. His name was Adam, male, man. Mr. Adam, this is Adam. Right before the fall, listen to what Adam said. He said, oh, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And you will be called woman, part of man, part of me. In Genesis 2, what he just said, here's what he's saying. We're one. Remember, we talked about the power of oneness last week. We're one. In chapter 3, he says something different. He says, oh, you're going to be separate. You're going to be an Eve, a mother of all living. What's wrong with that? I mean, women are mothers. Here's what's wrong with it. Adam labeled her, or 
Adam is telling her, this is what your job is, to bear me children. And do you realize, ladies, listen to me, do you realize that women have been struggling with this for over 6,000 years? Is that my purpose on earth, to bear children? Am I just a baby birthing machine? Is that my purpose? And that's why so many women go through depression when they can't have children because they think, well, I can't fulfill my purpose. Or some go through depression when kids leave home. Now they think, well, I fulfill my purpose. Now what? Ladies, listen to me. At the campuses, it's not your purpose. God has a purpose and a calling for every person, male and female, on this earth. So, are you laying down your life for the kingdom of God? Because every woman has a purpose, a call from God. And and whether there are no kids or whether there are kids or if the kids are gone. Ladies, your highest calling is not to be a mother. I believe in the family. You know that. We believe in great mothers and dads and great kids. But your highest calling, mom, dad, is not to be a mother and a father. Your highest calling is that of a child of God. That's your highest calling. When you were born again, you became adopted into the family. You are a child of God. Why is that so important? Well, God said it's not good for a man to be alone. I, I, I don't know why. It, it was the only thing God said wasn't good. The sun and the moon, the stars, you know, all this is good, but man to be alone is not good. I don't, I don't know if, if Adam was running around in the garden with a pair of scissors. I, I, I don't know what was going on. Child, you don't run with scissors in your hand, you know. But God says that's not good. So watch. God puts a woman there, and men, if you lay down your life to Jesus and your wife, you will have a happy life in your marriage. Communication. I'm going to connect the dots in just a minute. Number two is leadership. This is another need that you can meet, guys. Leadership. The major complaint of Christian couples in counseling is my husband won't lead. He won't take the lead. When we talk about leadership, we're not talking about domination. No person wants to be dominated because domination is never right. According to a secular and spiritual study, the the most destructive homes were the ones with a dominating parent in the home, and it didn't matter male or female. Domination is never right. So let me give you another word for leadership. Initiation. That's all leadership is, is initiating. That's the way God does it with you. You're driving down the road and God's talking to you. You're you're, you're worshiping God and he's talking to you. What's he doing? He's speaking. He's initiating leadership. We're supposed to lead our our wives the way Christ leads the church. We are to lead our wives the way Christ led the church. We read it in God's plan. Can you imagine if you went to the Lord for leadership and he led you the way you lead her? He's dominating you. He's putting you down, making light of you, critical of you. Would you, want to be, would you want a leader like that? Of course not. Or what if he's an absent leader? And you say, hey, God, what do you think about that? I don't know. That's not God. He gives us leadership, and that's what a woman needs. She wants us to take leadership in the home, but not, denomin- not uh, domination. In what we just read, Paul said also that the husband, you're supposed to, in your leadership... You're supposed to nourish and cherish your wife as your own body. 
Those are agricultural terms, farming terms. Nourish means to feed to maturity. Cherish means to protect the process with all diligence or, or don't let anything happen to what you're trying to fulfill. The reason Adam and Eve sinned is because Eve, the helpmate, became independent, aborted her purpose in the marriage. Adam was to be the initiator, the leader of the purpose, and he stands by and watches Eve abort the purpose. He watched her take the fruit and bite into the fruit. So the role of every husband is to be God's partner in whatever God has created that woman to become, whatever purpose he's put in her, you're going to help her get there. And the reason a lot of women become so demoralized in marriage is they feel like they're being used just to have babies just to have sex, just to get income, get a job. Men understand this. In the natural, the greatest gift, listen to me, in the natural, the greatest gift God will ever give you is your wife. Also, that is your greatest stewardship in all life, your wife. A greater stewardship than your children and a greater stewardship than your income. And we can never reach our potential until we're doing what the Scripture says. Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So God looked at Adam without Eve and said, This is not good. Here's why. Here's why. Adam cannot reach his potential without Eve, and Eve cannot reach her potential without Adam. We need each other. We need each other. You can't reach your potential without your spouse. So you take all of the division in marriages. You take all. So people are not reaching their potential. People are not fulfilling the purpose that they have because they're, they're, they're divided. We need each other. And, and, and I can see definitely why there's some women, especially women, who is like, okay, I'm done with men. They've used me, abused me, lied to me, all of this. And it's like, I, I can see that. Here's what's happening. They're being robbed of their potential and their purpose. And listen, men, every man will stand before Jesus in judgment. And you will look at him, and he will call you into account with what you've done with that woman he gave you. And many will have to say, I used her. I took her for granted. I was selfish. I made her serve me. I refused to serve her. I wasn't sacrificial. But see, you can change that. You can change that. You can start today and change that. And you can say when you stand before him, well, what you've created and given me to steward, and you call your spouse's name. Call her name and say, I've, I've operated in my role as her husband to help her see her full potential and purpose on this earth. Men, we are stewards of her potential in life. No woman will resist a husband like that, a husband that will focus on her abilities and skills and wants to take her to the full potential. There's not a woman breathing that will resist that. Ladies, come on, talk to me now. I got you scared to say anything. Is everybody good? All the men still happy? Okay. Here's the third need, guys, that you were created to support. The most important one. Number one need of a woman, security. Security. The Bible tells us the role of the, of the woman is to honor her husband. Honor and respect is what makes her attractive to the guy. But what makes a man attractive to a woman is making her feel secure. You're attracted by her showing you honor and respect. 
She's attracted when you make her feel secure. Women have a tremendous need to feel secure. Their needs have to be met, though, in a sensitive, sacrificial way. They, they don't want to have to nag and constantly be asking. They, they need a husband who's paying attention. Before she has to say anything, he's, he's ahead of the curve. He's paying attention. So even when his needs are not met, he sacrificially meets her needs. That, that, that's, that's the key right there, guys, is serving, is meeting her needs even though yours aren't being met. A secular study asked women, when is your husband most sexually attracted to you? Attracted to you? Number one answer is when he's doing housework. Another secular study took male sweat. It's going to get a little bad. Applied it to a woman's lips. Didn't tell them it was male sweat. It's just a new product we're trying out on your lips. After they did that, what's your response? How did it make you feel when we put this product on your lips? The women said, the majority of the women said, happy, relaxed, and romantic. (laughs) So guys... Let me tell you how to have a big night around the house. (laughs) Forget the flowers and the candy and the dinner. Get her to watch you clean the house. And if you're brave enough, get her to smell your sweat. (laughs) For some of you who don't understand what I'm saying, let me say it this way. Men, you're a clean house away from the night of your dreams. (laughs) So therefore, guys, this is good news for some of you. You can forget all that working out and bulking up. Just get a grip on the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) Women are attracted to a sacrificial men. Men are attracted to honor and respect. So don't listen to the culture. Don't listen to the enemy. Listen to God because God is brilliant, has a perfect plan that will never fail. When you're talking with your wife, talk carefully because if you talk in insecure terms, she can't hear you. Guys, when we get in in fear and we overreact and we become strong, we start saying things not necessarily to her about circumstances. She can't hear you. If you say anything that will make her feel insecure in your relationship, she can't hear you. She's blocked off. The mechanism goes up. Men always talk in a secure fashion. I'm here. We'll get through this. I'm not leaving you. God's going to help us. We're I'm, I'm we're in this together. So say those kind of things. Let me show you the two top areas for you to focus on security. Here's the first one, financial. Take care of your wife financially. She needs to know that she doesn't have to worry about finances. She needs to know that you're a hardworking, dependable husband, and you're laying down your life and you're working. Now, as a pastor, I have to tell you that I'm concerned about this generation hanging in the balance. I believe in hard work. The Bible says laziness is a stench in the nostrils of God. But there's one thing about this generation that's hanging in the balance is that they're getting married later and later. And if you're not married yet, please don't hear me in a condemning way. I believe there's three reasons people are getting married later. One is fear. Fear of failure. I mean, divorce rate's 50%. If you do it according to the Bible's way, both of you, it's 100% though. And then selfishness. They don't want to lay down their lives. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Thirdly is immaturity. Listen, the difference between a boy and a man is a man can take care of a family. 
In other words, grow up and get a job to provide for your family. Well, pastor, is that biblical? Watch this. Genesis 2.8, the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he formed. Verse 15, then the Lord took the man, put him in the garden to tend and keep it. In verse 22, God made him a woman for that man. In other words, man had a job before he got a wife. Hello? <laughs> yes, you need an education. Yes, you need to be career-driven, a job. Get income, then get married. You single guys that are sitting around, you're asking, where is she? Who is she? Where is she? You need to be thinking, where's the job? What's the career? What's the income? Oh, but we're in love. Yeah, I've been there. There's nothing like bills to drive a young couple apart. So guys, get your priorities straight. God's the provider. You, you have to be a hard worker and a good steward, guys. Do you hear me? Do you know, let me say it this way. You know why we love Jesus? It's not because he's sitting in a recliner in heaven barking orders. It's because he left heaven, laid his life down for us, and that's why we love him. Men, do you know what will bring a happy home to your house? It's not you sitting in a recliner barking orders. It's you getting out of the recliner, laying your life down, working, and, and, and working from a budget, and, and spending less than you, than you make, and, and having a savings, and all those things. That, that's what you have to do. So I promise you, you'll have a happy wife, and you'll have a happy life. Here's the other part of of security. One one is the financial. Here's the second one. This is the most important, and I'll wrap it up right here. Spiritual security. The most important area is spiritual security. So I want you to listen, okay? Honestly, I could take this part, two minutes here, and and, and it, it could be the whole sermon. So listen. She wants her husband to take the lead in spiritual matters. Men are intimidated because they say, well, women can pray better. They're in touch more. It's the way they're built. They connect. They communicate different than we do. We have to learn how to do that. She wants her husband to take the lead in spiritual matters. Paul said the man is the head, okay? In the Greek, that picture of that word is is the beginning, the head of a spring, and the spring that comes out of the ground and the water that runs over the ground into the creeks, into the rivers, into the ocean. So the ideal is that every spiritual thing will begin, will flow from the head of the initiator of the man. Everything's spiritual. You, you, you're starting it. You, you may not pray as well as she does. That's not, that's not the point. You may not read your Bible as much as she, That's not the point. Is that you initiate church. You initiate worship. You, you initiate putting God first. You, you initiate those things. And, and here's the idea. Here's why security is involved. So listen to me. Ladies, every woman has a vulnerability. A woman's vulnerability is, is security. Number one need is security. I see a vulnerability as like you, you, you take the woman, and I'll show you the man's in just a minute, and it's like there's a part of you missing. That's the area you're vulnerable in, is security. Every man has a vulnerability, and your vulnerability is sex. You take that picture, and you got a part of that man missing, okay? God made us with these bents and shapes. When we become one in marriage, oneness 
Each bent is fit into the strength of the other's weakness. So in together, you could take both of those bodies that have something missing. When you put them together, it fills in that bent, that gap. So uh, understand this. When a man is spiritual, when a man takes the lead, as for me and my house, my marriage is going to be blessed. My children, we're going to worship God. We're going to put God, we're going to love our kids and, and teach them about you. When, when a man is communicating, when he's leading and serving, that provides security in that vulnerable place in a woman. Men, listen to me. When that woman feels secure, that vulnerable void is filled with security, she will automatically in herself begin to fill the vulnerable place in her husband by meeting all his sexual needs. And that's how God expects us in the natural to stay connected. Did you get that? You're not real happy about it. So, yes, next weekend I am going to talk about sex a little bit. But just for you to know this, and I get men all the time asking me to teach on sex. Uh, they really, they do. You'd just be surprised. So um, next Sunday I'm going to touch on it just a little bit. But listen on this. I hear from guys, you know, this whole topic of sex, sex. I, I just told you how to solve that. Fill the spiritual security void in your spouse and she will meet your needs and fill your void. He, come on. Here's why it's so dangerous. Because guys, if your needs are not being met, the enemy knows that and that's where he's going to attack. It's the only sin in the Bible God says run from. And ladies, what they do is that guy's not meeting it, then you put your focus trying to get that security in a, in a book, in a, in, in a church, in a sermon, in a preacher, in a whatever, trying to get that need met. So, so here's what happened. Both of you, you're not one. You're separated. And you're vulnerable. You're open. But in that oneness, the way, we stay, the way God designed it to stay together is meeting that spiritual security in her and she's going to meet the sexual vulnerability in you and you're going to stay strong and you're going to go through life and you're going to have a happy wife and you're going to have a happy husband and that's going to make a happy life. Everybody happy? Okay. Let me just ask you this. This is not saying you don't have one, but let me just ask you this. This is... Uh, you know, rhetorical question. I realize that, but how many of you really would like to have a happy marriage? Maybe you have one already or you don't. Just hold your hand up. I know your spouse is looking at you like, okay, you raised your hand? <laughs> yeah, well, you just go home and get some counsel now of the Word of God. Uh, I, I want to pray for you as we close that you will allow the Word of God to penetrate your heart and you'll ask God to help you, each spouse. Because next week I'm going to talk about the needs of a man. Talk about the needs of a woman that only the husband can meet. Next week I'm going to talk about the needs of a man that only the wife can meet. Okay? I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you for creating marriage, this holy institution. And Lord, it, it, it is a favorite of yours. You created it before the church. And Lord, it is a portrait of the us 
in heaven. And we want to be happy and fulfilled. Yes, life is hard, and yes, things come at us. But Lord, when we're in this together in oneness, we can achieve the purpose you've created for us. That every woman can fulfill that potential. Every man can be the leader, and every man can fulfill his potential. And all of that brings honor and glory to you. And that's why we do it. We want to honor our God on this earth. And we thank you that we can do it through marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.